Welcome to the Reader House Author Roundtable, where authors from all walks of life come together to discuss the trials, tribulations, and triumphs of publishing their books. I'm your host, Corey Graham. Join us here every Friday night at 8 p.m. or listen anytime via podcast at Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, TuneIn, and PodServe, to name just a few. The Author Roundtable is sponsored by Reader House Online Bookstore, where the independent new authors come first. Dr. Ron Girardin is joining me now at the Reader House Author Roundtable. His book, Dispensing Truth, Divine Prescriptions to Restore and Maintain Good Health, is out now through Christian Faith Publishing. Thank you for talking with me tonight, Ron. My pleasure. So I know this book has a very interesting story about how it came into being, but first of all, can you tell us what readers have in store for them? This is a book which actually originated in the late 1980s, first in the 90s, and it, it, didn't, it didn't just originate because I wanted to write a book. It didn't originate because I'm an author. Sounds wacko, I know, but actually the Lord Jesus Christ came to me and said, I want you to write a book. And jestingly went through my head, Lord, you're in the wrong bedroom. The author lives about three blocks down the street. I had no intentions of ever writing a book. So this was actually brought about because I was given a homework assignment that I did my best to fulfill with the understanding that I was going to need his help to do this. This this is not my thing. And he, he said at that time, I'm going to give you three truths. To be honest with you, sir, I learned more doing this than I would have if I would have just sat down and determined I was going to study this out. So as far as readers go, they're Christian, non-Christian, been a Christian one day, been a Christian 10 years. It won't matter. They're probably going to run into things that they've never heard of in church or they may have never even thought of that are just going to open their eyes. And I know this is another wacko comment. It's going to change their lives. Mom, everybody, no, but people who are sincere, this will actually change their lives. So what's the main gist? What's the main thing you're trying to communicate? My, my whole aim in this is that the individual who is ill, first off, can know the Lord wants him well. Let me just give a quick example of that. In your house, if you saw a roach on the ground or ants on your countertop or mice scurrying around the baseboard, you'd do everything possible to get rid of those, wouldn't you? Mm -hmm. Well, sure you would. Who wouldn't? Well, the point is that the Bible reveals to us that our physical bodies, God considers those the temple of the person of the Holy Ghost. Therefore, let's just call it your body is God's house. Now, if he sees disease running rampant through it, is he going to go, oh my, oh my, or is he going to do something about it? Well, if it's God's will, well, obviously it's God's will as much to get rid of disease in an individual's life is it as it is for you and me to get rid of pests in our home. So once that issue has been solved, then and once we understand that and can accept that, then we have to see what can we do on our part to cooperate with getting these things out of our being. And the book explains that. Well, it sounds like this is a great resource for people out there that want to get better, to better themselves, both spiritually and physically. So I encourage everyone out there to check this one out. Again, this is Dispensing Truth, Divine Prescriptions to Restore and Maintain Good Health by Dr. Ron Girardin, published by Christian Faith Publishing, it's available at Amazon, Barnes & Noble, and iTunes. 
Ron, thank you so much for coming on here and sharing about this book. Well, it was my honor and privilege. Thank you so much. Cultivating a life of wellness is something that I think we can agree we're all striving for. And that happens to be the name of the next book we'll be talking about. It's called A Line Above, Cultivating a Life of Wellness by Kristen Hagen. Kristen, welcome to the Reader House Author Roundtable. Welcome. I'm happy to be here. Thanks for having me today. So cultivating a life of wellness, that's something that I would sure like to do. So what's this about? Yeah, this is similar to like a farmer planting good seeds. This is learning the colors of the rainbow for your fruits and vegetables, breaking down the importance of building on those building blocks, similar to like Noah and his ark. Um, it's pretty much informative for ages 13 to 17 or anywhere plus or minus, even adults be able to pick up a book and really absorb some good information about looking at time and calendars a little bit differently than what we've been accustomed to and recognizing that health and wellness is built just literally one step or reversal or building block at a time. And it's building blocks and not everything is going to happen at once. There are no quick fixes to achieve lasting change that you have to go one step at a time, one block, build one thing at a time, and you have to be patient with the process to get those results. You do. I use a lot of metrics and calendar systems where I'll, kind of like Christmas Advent, when you would make little paper chains and you'd count down and rip off the days for a countdown to, to get to Christmas Day to celebrate. I do the exact same thing literally every day to different types of numbers, sometimes extremely precise down to a tenth and other times, you know, if it was a pound, down to a pound. But what that does is that gives you something to uh, cross off on your calendar so you have some satisfaction. It also is showing you that the process is working and though it may seem unusual because it may have been a while or it may be totally new to you you'll see that it's actually working so when you step back you're realizing you're doing something all together that's happening for you and through you all by just staying you know faithful on those steps but tracking it you know celebrating yourself in a healthy way and it's not that hard but sometimes the measure or the number gives you that confidence and self-confidence to know you're heading in the right direction because it all just makes sense. You just really want to listen to your heart, not even your head so much, but your heart, because your heart always knows your own path to take. And I think there's a lot of motivation in seeing that, hey, every day I showed up, every day I put a check in that box, and I did what I was supposed to do that day. And then looking back over how many days you build up in a row, that just motivates you to keep going and keep going. So tracking, I agree, is so important to the process. It does. And coaches are always a good thing, too, because, you know, you kind of can fall flatlined. You have to self-motivate yourself, like I said, with some of those calendars. And But sometimes you need somebody that can see the change happening in you or keep you guided and motivated on your path. Even if it's an audio app, just putting in the basic essentials and walking it out and then starting putting the healthy habit or, you know, jump rope, even if you did five or 10 a day and tomorrow it's 25. You just give yourself little goals and you're going to see those add up. Absolutely. Absolutely. So many great strategies and information in this book. Again, this is A Line Above, Cultivating a Life of Wellness by Kristen Hagen, published by Christian Faith Publishing, available at Amazon, Barnes & Noble, and iTunes. Kristen, thank you so much for talking with us tonight here at the Reader House Author Roundtable. Absolutely. Thanks for having me. Inspiration can come from all sorts of places, and Harv Allen's new book, Poems of Nature, Dreams, Memories, and Life Thoughts from Within, is a great example of this. Harv is joining me now at the Reader House Author Roundtable. 
Thank you for being here, Harv. It's my pleasure. So, can you tell us what readers are in store for? I think you'll find a lot of inspiration in some of the things I have in that book. There's a lot of nature poems, memory poems, and things that go on in everybody's lives. I think it's a great read. I think everybody will enjoy it. So is this the first time you've written a book or been published? Oh, yeah. First time I've written a book. I uh, started writing in high school, sophomore in high school, in a poetry class, and that's when I fell in love with it. And of course, we had one of the best teachers in the world at Oswego High School. Her name was Gail Mitchell. She was a real inspiration. Just kind of got away from it. 30, 40 years go by, and my daughter told me to continue to write and, and try and get published, and uh, I've probably written 500 poems in the last 10 years. Oh, my gosh. My son, I'm almost complete with my second book now, so... Well, congratulations on writing that first book and getting published. That's a big accomplishment. Yeah, I think it's pretty awesome. I mean, my uh, family's really excited about it. What was the most challenging part of writing this and then getting it published? Well, I don't know. You know, the thing is, I most of these poems in this book I had written years ago. I just had to compile and get it sorted the way I wanted for the first book. I sought out the publishers. I, they asked me to submit my manuscript and Two weeks went by, and they came back at me and said, congratulations, we're going we're to publish this. They thought it was a good piece of work. What things have you learned along the way that maybe you could tell people who are just new to this writing and publishing thing? Just, just keep going forward. It was a dream that was kind of in the back of my mind, but I never thought I would ever get published. I'm glad people pushed me forward. Now, who do you think would get the most out of it? Was there a certain demographic readership that you were thinking of when you wrote this? No, not really. Like I said, I mean, these were just written a while ago, and I'm not sure how to answer that. <laughs> no, that's fine. A little bit of something for everybody. Well, yes. Yes, I, I, I do find that, I think in my mind, a lot of people I've met, I've, I've sold quite a few copies. A lot of the younger people love it, and, and women, mainly, I think. You know, I, I mean, that's what I see. Well, great. So you're writing your second volume. You're you're doing that. Are you writing it, or, or are there just more poems that you're compiling because you have so many? Well, I, I have so many poems that I had to split it up. And, you know, I, so I split up book one, and, you know, I'm, I'm sorting through everything to try to get book two in the right format. You know, it's, it's going to be a lot of the same thing, but there's going to be some darker stuff in the second book. And I didn't really want to have a lot of dark writings in my first book. <laughs> the book is Poems of Nature, Dreams, Memories, and Life Thoughts from Within by Harv Allen. This is published by Fulton Books and is available at Amazon, Barnes & Noble, iTunes, and Google Play. Harv, thank you for joining us here at the Reader House Author Roundtable. It was a pleasure speaking with you, sir. It was a pleasure speaking with you, and thank you very much for having me on. In the book, The Xandis Chronicles, Vale of the Vile Ones, R.L. Cox takes us for an epic tale of the impending apocalypse. R.L. joins us now on the Reader House Author Roundtable. Welcome. Thank you for having me. So the Xandis Chronicles sounds like this epic war going on. The apocalypse is impending. What are we in for with this? That's what I was going for. I wanted to try to do something, an epic tale about angels versus demons, trying to save humanity. Uh, that's exactly what I was going for, an epic tale. Was there any specific inspiration you had to get this idea? 
when I was younger, I used to play, um, don't kill me for this, but I used to be in Dungeons and Dragons. Nothing wrong with that. <laughs> I used to be a dungeon master, so a lot of the tales I would use as our background or narrate, it kind of like helped to give me an idea on how I can get others involved into my world. So what kind of a writer are you? Do you outline the whole thing ahead of time, or do you just say, hey, I got this idea, I'm just going to start writing and see where it goes? I did a little bit of both. I felt that outlining helped me a lot more to organize my thoughts and give each chapter its own purpose and characters that were involved in why this this particular chapter was being written. At first, I started like just writing, just kind of like just on the typewriter or typewriter on the computer. And once I got that down and got some feedback, I wanted to make it more organized so it wouldn't seem like somebody that never wrote a book was writing a book. Was the editing process difficult for you, having to go back and change things, rewrite things? Yeah, I think I might have read my book probably 30 or 40 times trying to get it right and finding something that I didn't find the first 25 times. Like, how did I miss this? <laughs> <laughs> so now that it's out there, it's on shelves, people are reading it, what kind of a feeling do you get from that? It was a great sense of pride for anybody to accomplish a goal especially as long as it took. It took me probably almost 10 years to get the book from computer to manuscript to shelves. Yes, I I felt really proud about it. Do you have any advice that you could give for authors looking to be published? Maybe something you picked up along the way and learned? Yeah, I would just say to, to keep writing. I mean, at one time I was doing maybe, you know, 1,000 to 2,000 words a day. And, you know, then you have to take a break sometimes to try to get a different eye on it. Just keep writing. It's going to probably start out bad. And you're going to get feedback, but you can always fix it. Great advice. Are you working on a follow-up to this maybe or another project? Yeah, I have. Um, so I actually call it a dual trilogy. So <laughs> I have two novels that are released simultaneously, and I want each book to be a trilogy. So really what, what's going on is that the angels are part of a squad. They split up the squad to follow different leads. Each book is from their perspective. And, you know, when you read both novels, it comes together with parts that you were missing. Again, the book is The Xandis Chronicles, Veil of the Vile Ones by R.L. Cox. This is published by Christian Faith Publishing and is available on Amazon, Barnes & Noble, and iTunes. R.L., it was great meeting you and talking with you today. Thank you again for joining us here at the Reader House Author Roundtable. Thank you for having me. I appreciate it. Anyone's life can be turned around, no matter what is in your past. Abigail O'Hare is an example of this, and her new book, Born for Restoration, is out now. Thank you for joining me at the Reader House Author Roundtable, Abigail. It's a pleasure. I'm looking forward to this. Born for Restoration, it sounds like you have a really interesting story. Can you tell us what's in this book? As I start off in my book, I say it's my testimony, but actually it's a universal testimony. This testimony can fit in a lot of people's hearts. And everybody that has read the book so far has been passing it on to people who they know can relate to going through various changes in life to bring you to that point where you make the right choices. So what inspired you to go out there, put your story out there for people to read and put this in print? 
every time I would tell people my testimony, I've been involved in ministry for many years. I would tell people bits and pieces on my testimony, and they would say, I know you're writing a book. And I would say, well, I'm keeping a journal. And um, they said, no, you have to write a book. So that was gnawing at my heart for many years. But I believe in appointed times. I believe there's a time and a season for doing things. The Lord has it. He opened up a window of time for me to do just that. I sat down and I spent one day a week just in a secluded area in my home and started writing. What was that like, writing the book and then getting it published, going through those channels, which a lot of people are surprised how much work there is after the fact. How was that for you? It was it was therapeutic. I'll, I'll have to t- be honest <laughs> with you. It was very therapeutic, but there were testings all along the way. But I was so thankful that I gave myself that opportunity. A window opened up again where I could press in and go through the process of uh, going through my life and reflect on what happened. And so it was therapeutic, but working with a publisher that was sensitive to a first-time author was very helpful. Again, I, I, I encourage people. I think everybody should write their testimony. I think it's, again, it's therapeutic, and um, I believe that it could be a blessing to a lot of people. So throughout this journey now, are there any words of wisdom, any tips that you would give to authors wanting to break through and finally write that first book? I would say, you know, again, it takes discipline. And it takes uh, making a determination to isolate yourself. And the uh, encouraging factor of it was I wanted this to encourage other people. If you have a message, you want this message to reach the hearts of people who you know may be struggling, may be on a crossroad as to which way to go in life. If you have a testimony where you can put it down or a message of any sort that you can put down and help people make the right choice. And and that's what I believe is necessary. I think that especially in the day we're living in, I mean, we are living in a day where truth needs to be heard. People need to hear, how did you get through this? People are going through so much. As you well know, we all know we have the media in front of us. We have all kinds of things that are happening in the world. And if we have a relationship with the creator of heaven and earth, if we know how to express what's going on in our lives, that to me is a necessity for the day that we're living in. People need to hear the truth and do it. Just do it. If you have a message, put it down so other people can glean from it. Well, the name of the book is Born for Restoration by Abigail O'Hare, published by Christian Faith Publishing. It's available at Amazon, Barnes & Noble, and iTunes. Abigail, it was a pleasure speaking with you today. Thank you for joining us here at the Reader House Author Roundtable. An honor and a privilege, and I thank you so much. Grandpa, Do You Remember When? is a memoir by Homer J. Eldridge that's out right now through Fulton Books. Homer's joining me right now at the Reader House Author Roundtable. Thank you for talking with me today, Homer. My pleasure. So tell us about what we're in store for with Grandpa, Do You Remember When? It's a a love story about my wife and me for over 65 years and many of the aspects that we shared together uh, until her death of uh, December the 7th of 2017. So what inspired you to write these stories and then put it out to print? Well, my great-grandsons gave me a book entitled, Grandpa, Do You Remember When?, with a lot of questions, and I couldn't answer them in the space provided, so I started typing, and as I typed, my wife would uh, edit it, and uh, 
then we just decided to uh, submit it to uh, Fulton Books. This is a collaborative process. What was that whole process like? Was it fun or how did it go? It was a lot of fun. I had to reach back in uh, memories, of course. I was born in 33, so a lot of the stories, uh, first years were, were told to me by my grandfather and my father. I uh, had the uh, the boys' inspiration to do this, and I wanted to give them something that they could uh, remember us by. Have you written before, or have you been published before in any way? Yes, sir. I have two other books that's been published, not nationally. They were locally published, and I sold some of them and gave some away. It's a history about the Sardis Primitive Baptist Church, which is uh, in Moultrie, Georgia. Another one about my military career and uh, my family's military career. So what would you say is the main message that you want your great-grandchildren to get through this book? I know they had a lot of questions, but what's the one thing that you would want to pass on to them that you feel has come out of your life? I I don't want them to give up. Uh, I want them to pursue their dreams. When I left the farm in 1951, I never realized that I would have the career that I had, but the Lord provided me with a good guideline and uh, honest opinions and uh, just be truthful to yourself, basically, and uh, others. More people than just your great-grandchildren are reading the book. People can go buy this, and they are, and they're reading it. So how does it feel knowing that your story is out there for the general population to benefit from? It's great because I have a niece that had one of the books, and she said that her and her husband would lay in bed and read this book about Mima and me, and she would cry a while, and then she would laugh a while. I have several nieces that have read it. A lot of my friends, uh, uh, all of my family has, and uh, a lot of my neighbors and uh, people will call me and say, where is it? Well, the book is called Grandpa, Do You Remember When? It's published by Fulton Books by Homer J. Eldridge. You can get this on Amazon, Barnes & Noble, iTunes, and Google Play. Homer, it was a pleasure speaking with you today. Thank you for telling us about this book. Thank you, sir. Appreciate it. A mystery involving family tragedy is the basis of The Fire She Set, a new book by Lee Overton Boyd with Emily Adams and Lisa Overton. Lee's talking with me right now here on the Reader House Author Roundtable. Lee, thank you for being here. And thank you for having me. So The Fire She Set sounds like a really interesting premise, and I think it's a story that has a lot of personal meaning for you. So can you tell us about that? It is a personal story about myself and my three younger sisters and our parents that were killed in a house fire that took place in 1974 in a small town near Atlantic City, New Jersey. The fire remained a mystery for over 40 years, and they believed that one of my sisters had set the fire. Wow. So what was the process like writing this thing and and bringing up so many things in the past with your family? It was an interesting journey. It took me almost 12 years to write the story. I decided when my daughter went off to college that I had time to figure out how did this fire happen? We grew up believing it was arson. We were told it was arson. We didn't know if it was my dad, my mom, or one of us. I mean, I knew it wasn't me, obviously. I wrote the first draft. It was terrible. (laughs) I got involved with a ghostwriter, and we spent a couple years writing and writing and rewriting, and then was able to finish the story with my sister after hiring a forensic fire investigator to find out more about how the fire actually started. 
And at that point, we moved forward to self-publish because we actually had an ending. So what was the publishing process like? Have you have you published before, first of all? I have not. So I did have an agent back in New York. We weren't very successful in getting the book launched. And then I reached out to Christian Faith Publishing, and they were absolutely wonderful. They accepted the book and provided a lot of uh, marketing support and a cover. And, and here we are talking with you about promoting the book. So it's been a, a win-win. So what's it feel like now, knowing that it's finally out there, you put so much time and work into it, now it's on shelves, now people are buying it and reading it. What kind of feeling does that give you? It is a huge sense of accomplishment on many different fronts. One, we resolved the issue of how the fire started. And I'm not going to tell your readers anymore because they have to read the book. <laughs> and we were able to also look a little bit more into wrongful convictions. There was a gentleman in Texas that was wrongfully convicted for starting a fire that killed his three young daughters. And there was a movie recently made with Laura Dern called Trial by Fire. And it deals a little bit with wrongful convictions and the new fire forensic science that didn't exist back in the 70s. It was more voodoo junk science. And that's how a lot of people died innocently for fires that seemed like they were arson, but they weren't. And then there's also a resource guide. What happens if you are wrongfully convicted or what happens if you're in a fire and you lose everything or you lose some things? Where do you go to reach out for resources? So on many different fronts, it has a wide audience appeal. And I'm really proud that we were able to finish. Well, the book, again, is The Fire She Set, published by Christian Faith Publishing. This is available on Amazon, Barnes & Noble, and iTunes by Lee Overton Boyd with Emily Adams and Lisa Overton. Well, Lee, it's been a pleasure talking with you today, learning about the book, and now you piqued my interest about some certain things. So thank you again for joining us. Thank you, and I hope all the readers out there buy the book, and I hope they love it as much as I love writing it. So thank you. It's alarming how easily we can be fooled sometimes. And John O. Grimley's book, Yea Has God Said, looks to the Bible for ultimate truth. John is here with me right now at the Reader House Author Roundtable. Thank you, John, for talking with me tonight. Well, so glad to be here, and thanks for inviting me. Absolutely. Can you tell us about Yea Has God Said? All it takes is for individuals to disbelieve the Scriptures is to have introduced a seed of doubt. Once that seed of doubt has been introduced, then it isn't long before that seed can grow into a tsunami of doubt and argumentation. The seed of doubt was first introduced to us in the garden by Satan through the serpent, yea, has God said. Ever since then, people have been adding to, subtracting from, and twisting the meaning of God's word. The reason this book has been written is to answer this subversive question with a rousing and positive, yes, yes, God has most definitely said. Hmm, so what made you decide to go ahead and write this book and then publish it? The Holy Spirit of God had been really burning in my heart because a lot of information that I hear on the television and read in the newspapers and so forth have not only twisted what God has said and what he meant, but also a lot of it doesn't even include any concept whatsoever, whether this is uh, scripturally correct or scripturally wrong. So about how long did it take you to write this? Oh, it took a number of years. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, from, from beginning to end. <laughs> yeah. Then what was the publishing process like? Was it difficult? No. Christian Faith Publishers has everything pretty well outlined, and you just follow one step at a time. So we were pleased with that. 
Have you written before or been published before? Yes, I published one of the book entitled The Messiah. I am in the process now of doing a second edition on that one. Do you have any words of advice for up-and-coming writers who want to begin the writing process and then get their book published? Yes, a couple. First of all, be true to yourself. If you cannot be true to yourself, you definitely will not convince anyone of your own work. Whatever you do must come from your heart and your heart alone. It must be an extension of you and not someone else. If you have something burning in your heart, write it down. That burning is more than likely the Holy Spirit. Even if you do not get seek to get it, get it published, you may have unburdened that burning. Secondly, is, and that was fun, as I just mentioned with my second edition of The Messiah, is when writing a book, do not rush to get it published. Do not go ahead or run ahead of the Holy Spirit, regardless of the Jenner. Let it simmer on the stove for a while, and you'll be surprised what God will have you add, delete, or change in some way or even up to, to update it before it gets published. What types of readers do you think would get the most from this book? Did you have a certain readership in mind? Well, I'm certainly hoping and praying that all those who will call us are ourselves Christians, not just in word, but also in need, it's way past time for us to take a definitive stand for the Word of God and not to pay heed to the seducing spirits of compromise and humanism. Great words. Well, again, the book is Yay, Has God Said, published by Christian Faith Publishing, available at Amazon, Barnes & Noble, and iTunes by John O. Grimley. John, thank you for being with us here at the Reader House Author Roundtable. Thank you so much for your time. Well, thank you so very much for this opportunity. It's been a real blessing. Where do you turn when it seems like no one cares? Author Tiffany N. Jones talks about that in her new book, In Tune With Myself, Divine Intervention. Tiffany is here with me right now at the Reader House Author Roundtable. Thank you for being here today, Tiffany. You're welcome. Thank you for having me. So can you tell us what we're in store for with In Tune With Myself? Well, um, this is a book that I felt that I should share with the world or with those who have had some struggles in their lives. It's basically about my struggles to not give up. With me, it was not to give up on me, but to the reader is whatever situation you find yourself in, to not give up on yourself. The book is about my setbacks, my mishaps, my disappointments, my heartbreak, a test of my faith, perseverance, resilience. Unfortunate events, love, depression, my mental health, (laughs) going through all of that, and the will to not let what happened to me defeat me mentally, and pretty much a life filled with pain, and how I was able to overcome. You've been through so much in your life. Yeah. What was that like putting it all down on paper and bringing it up and writing about it? It wasn't easy. Uh, it took me from 2005 until now because that's a part of me. I didn't want to get out. I, I wanted to keep that to myself because it was a lot. And during that time I was going through and I would share some things with some people, I would see the expression on their faces like, wow. And so I didn't want to be like, um, I'm having want to feel like down all the time. It wasn't easy. It, it wasn't. But as time passed and as, you know, I would talk to some people, uh, some other people who were real positive and and they would say, well, that you have a story. You should get it out because it would help others. some people. It would help. And so I started writing and uh, I got the nerve. I just let it flow. So how's it feel now that it's out there? It's on shelves. People are reading it. What kind of feeling does that give you? Oh, 
know, it feels good, and I really hope that it really helped those who who purchased it. I really hope that they look at it, and when they read it, I don't want them to, to see that, oh, it's all bad, she went through this. How is her life? I want people, when they read the book, to see she made it through. She kept going. She kept pushing. She always had hope, in which I've always been, no matter what happened to me, no matter what was thrown at me, I would always have hope. I'm very optimistic. Sometimes when you're going through life and you just don't know which way to go, which way to turn, it can be very stressful, challenging, it can be very difficult. But with me and me having um, boys, my my children, I didn't have time to think. I had to keep going. Do you have any tips out there that you could offer aspiring writers that want to do the same thing? Get it out, let it flow, and don't stop. Don't give up. Once you start it, finish it. If you have a writer's block, Uh, Just keep going. Take your time. Sit down. But don't give it up. And thank you for the hope that this book, I think, is going to bring to a lot of people. This is In Tune With Myself, Divine Intervention by Tiffany N. Jones, published by Fulton Books, available on Amazon, Barnes & Noble, iTunes, and Google Play. Tiffany, thank you for talking with us today here at the Reader House Author Roundtable. Okay, you're welcome. Helping others going through major life changes that you've experienced yourself is what author Edmund A. Rossman III is doing in his new book, A Guy's Guide to Throat Cancer, Do's and Don'ts for Recovery. Edmund's joining me now here at the Reader House Author Roundtable. Thanks for joining me today, Edmund. Sure thing. Blessings to you and your audience. Oh, thank you. Needless to say, you've gone through quite a lot, and this book is the product of that. So can you tell us about that? It's a memoir about my journey through the medical system, chemotherapy, and radiation treatments, I used the CaringBridge social platform to share my experiences day by day as I went through treatments with my friends, my family, and my coworkers. I tried to be reassuring to everyone because we had just lost my sister to a brain tumor a month before I started treatments, and a lot of people were afraid that I'd be next. So I was honest in my CaringBridge comments, but funny and sharing special cancer prayers, Bible verses, and saint stories if that day was a feast day. Like for St. Blaise and the Blessing of the Throats, uh, I had a food tube in my chest, and I joked with my priest, Father James, out of Mary, Queen of the Apostles, after the Mass, that I was going to ask him to bless that, but I didn't want to scare anybody, and he laughed and said, the blessing was a one-size-fits-all type of thing, good for the whole body. But the, it's, it's written for guys to understand what they're going to go through, but it's also written for the caregivers. They have a, there's a lot of good insights and advice that their man may not appreciate in the doctor's office, but they could point them out to in, the, in the book, and they might see a quote by quarterback Tom Brady about hydration or see an Eric Clapton lyric about reaching out for support saying, hello, old friends, and that's what basically the book's about. So what gave you the nudge to take these posts and your thoughts and actually put them into print and put it out there for a wider audience? Psalm 116 says, How shall I make a return to the Lord for all the good he's done for me? I felt very grateful and blessed that I had survived. My sister Betty, who had passed on, like I said, a a month before, was a teacher. And I know she's proud of me in heaven for my efforts and trying to teach people what to do and what not to do, whether it's recovering from cancer COVID-19, or any kind of bad disease or you know injury. Is this the first time you've been published? I'm a librarian, and uh, I've written for libraries before. I've got two other books, Castles Against Ignorance, 
How to Make Libraries Great Educational Environments. I published that in 2006. And 40 New Revenue Sources for Libraries and Nonprofits was published in by the American Library Association in 2016. But this was a total divergence from that. Yeah, was the publishing process different for you this time around, being a whole different kind of book? No, not really. The people at the Christian Faith Publishing, they were very good, despite the fact that, uh, especially in this last six months, that we've had uh, like people working from home. My publication specialist was very good. And the uh, I'll tell you, the editors, that's one thing I've got to uh, let people know, that you've got to have patience, have a thick skin. No one likes their mistakes pointed out, especially me. <laughs> but the editors do an invaluable favor to you. And uh, with the ALA, as well as with Christian Faith Publishing, uh, they both did a fine job. Hmm, fantastic. Again, the book is A Guy's Guide to Throat Cancer, Do's and Don'ts for Recovery by Edmund A. Rossman III, published by Christian Faith Publishing. This is available on Amazon, Barnes & Noble, and iTunes. Edmund, it's been a pleasure talking today, sir. Thank you for letting us know more about yourself and about this book. You're welcome. Thank you. Author Brianna Eccles is joining me now at the Reader House Author Roundtable. Her new book, Splitter Splatter, Paint Paint, is out now through Fulton Books. Welcome, Brianna. Good morning. Well, thank you for joining us here today. This book looks like a lot of fun. Can you tell us about it? It's super fun. So my book is called Splitter Splatter, Paint Paint. It's a children's book starring my wonderful son, Elijah. It's super warm and colorful and totally fun to read. It's perfect for kids that are actually just learning how to read. It's very simply worded, yet super exciting enough so that they'll keep turning the page. They won't get bored with it. And I wrote it as a fun reminder to parents, especially those parents with creative children, that a big mess oftentimes equals a big heart because Splitter Splatter, Paint Paint perfectly captures just how heartfelt a child's artistic expression is. As they turn the pages, they'll see that the joy and the excitement that all kids have when they're creating. And the last page reminds the parents to keep in mind that even though they make a mess, it's okay because our response totally means everything to them. And when we respond in tons of love to their creations, they totally love it. It's a fun book with tons of color. It can also be used as a teaching moment. And I recommend it to everyone. I love that your son Elijah inspired you to do this. What was he doing specifically that made you think, hey, this would, this would make a great book? Well, I'm an artist. I paint canvases, and sometimes I'd leave the room, and I'd come back, and all over my almost-done masterpiece, he would have put his perfect design <laughs> all over my canvas himself. So I was like, oh, I birthed a little artist. Perfect. <laughs> oh, is this the first time you've written? It is. It's my first published book. I'm actually working on another one, but this is my first book, so I'm so excited about it. Congratulations. That's a huge thing. Thank you. What does it feel like having your first book out there for people to buy? It's amazing because it's always been one of my goals, and I'm just happy that I got around to like checking it off the list. It's amazing because my son will be able to go into a bookstore one day and be like, hey, that's me. Hey, that's my mommy, you know, and it just will let him like know that it's okay to follow your dreams. Go for it. Is there anything along the way of writing the book or getting it ready for publishing that was challenging or that surprised you? Yes, I'm a bit of a perfectionist, <laughs> so I have to constantly remind myself to just have fun with the entire process. It doesn't have to be super perfect, you know, as long as it's fun and enjoyable for the kids to read. That's all that really matters. Is there anything you picked up along the way that maybe you could tell aspiring authors to sort of help them out? Oh, yes. Just do it. Don't delay the process. Just get it done. If you can't publish right away, still keep your creative writing somewhere safe. Still keep your illustrations somewhere safe. Just 
keep writing, keep illustrating, and when the time is right, it'll all come together. Well, again, the book is Splitter, Splatter, Paint, Paint by Brianna Eccles, published by Fulton Books. It's available on Amazon, Barnes & Noble, iTunes, and Google Play. Well, Brianna, it was a lot of fun talking with you today. Thanks for joining us here. Thank you so much. Have a wonderful day. Author Cindy Mead is joining me now at the Reader House Author Roundtable. Her new book, The Adventures of Gigi and Her Shepherd, is out now through Christian Faith Publishing. Thank you for being here with me, Cindy. Thank you. It's good to be here. So can you tell us what this book's about? Well, it's about a shepherd and a little lamb. The lamb becomes an orphan at birth, and the shepherd takes her into his flock. He loves her and teaches her all kinds of life lessons as they uh, go from valley to valley, grazing through the on the land. There's 12 short stories, and each story is a life lesson. For example, uh, one is about learning how to wait. Another one is getting along with those that are different. There's one on trusting, bullying, fear, and others. Wonderful. Well, what gave you the idea for this? Well, actually, my husband and I were on vacation. We went to a Cracker Barrel store, and on the way out, there was this puppet on a shelf. It was like he was saying, with inside me, I heard him say, I need a story. So I bought the puppet and I went back to our condo within probably within an hour of getting back. I had a short story written. And from then, it's just happened. It's just been great. Is this the first time you've written a book or have been published? Yes, it is. I do a lot of uh, writing, but it's like journaling and, you know, just for my own joy. Yeah, this is a whole different beast, writing for being published and putting it out there. What was the process like for you writing this book and then getting it formatted to put it out there on shelves? Well, actually, I never intended to get it published. I started writing the stories, and I have grandkids, and they loved the stories. And then from there, other people told me I should get it published. And so I thought, well, I'll give it a try. And so I called Christian Faith Publishing, and they accepted it. And I was excited. <laughs> so are you working on maybe a follow-up to this or another project? I have other stories written. I'm thinking about it. I'm actually seeing how this goes, but I would love to get another book published. What was the most surprising thing to you, especially going into the publishing process and all the work that goes into that? I, I, I don't know what I expected, but every step of the way was, was good. It's, it's been a delightful experience. What advice would you give to writers who want to be published? You know, I would say write from your heart. Sometimes you can sit down and you're trying to come up with something yourself. And really, if you just write from the heart, I think it'll all come out great. So again, the book is The Adventures of Gigi and Her Shepherd by Cindy Mead. This is published by Christian Faith Publishing and is available at Amazon, Barnes & Noble, and iTunes. Cindy, it was great talking with you today. Thank you for joining us here at the Reader House Author Roundtable. Thank you very much. I'm not ashamed to admit that I'm one of those guys who loves wearing t-shirts with funny or attention-grabbing phrases on them. And that's why this next book really grabbed my attention. It's by author Tim Dingus, entitled The Comings and Goings of T-Shirts. Tim's with me right now here at the Reader House Author Roundtable. Welcome, Tim. Thank you, Corey. Good to be with you again. Oh, good to talk with you again. This book sounds really, really interesting, especially to me. Can you tell us what it's all about? There's a great twist on this. 
Well, yeah, there is. I, I spent 30 years owning a promotional advertising company in Rockford, Illinois. And of course, among the items that we printed were tens of thousands of t-shirts. This book is basically full of quirky little phrases that people would love to be able to put on a t-shirt and wear into a very specific audience, but they wouldn't dare or it doesn't exist. The reason that the title came up is because I realized that there are so many t-shirts that only have fronts or only have backs, or if they do have both, that's all you see is one or the other. I've written this so the front phrase will stand alone and the back phrase will stand alone. But when you put them together, it sort of serves up a little punch. Like, for instance, this one says, if it's good, find a way to share it. If it's bad, find a way to bury it. <laughs> nice. Yeah. Let that person take that anywhere they want to. Oh, I love it. Are you going to maybe think about getting some of these really made or are these? Oh, <laughs> I, you know what? I, I guess I would do it if they were pretty generic and we could apply them to others uh, oh. all across the board. <laughs> like another one says, are we talking full disclosure? And then the backside says, or are you willing to take it to your grave? You know, it just <laughs> depends. Exactly. It's for predominantly adults, you know, maybe 18 or plus, because it's got that edgy humor, little quirkiness to it. And maybe those younger than 18, they, they wouldn't get the connection. How long were you working on this? Um, it probably took me about six months to put together. I write almost everything that I do in spurts. I'll write it pretty much anywhere. If I'm waiting at a drive-thru or I'm, you know, hiking and I'm taking a break or something like that in a national park or, you know, even sometimes, you know, at the back of church, you know, when there's a break, I'll, I'll write something and I'll stick it in my pocket. Well, I toss it in a box and when the box is full, then I start doing my first draft of the manuscript. What happens if you get stuck? What if you're looking for something and nothing's coming out? Usually what happens there is, is I literally, and you're going to think I'm nuts on this, but I literally take the paper and I turn it 90 degrees. So I'm looking at it from a different angle. So physically it forces uh. me to do that. <laughs> yeah. And mentally it forces me to do that too. Now, granted, sometimes it works and sometimes it doesn't. And lots of times since I do this, you know, with little pieces of paper over a long period of time, is sometimes if I'm stuck being able to conclude one of them and I can't get a beginning on the other one, you know, you lay them out on the table and find if one can connect to the other. And then all of a sudden you've got it. You just didn't have them together. This is The Comings and Goings of T-Shirts by Tim Dingus, available through Fulton Books on Amazon, Barnes & Noble, iTunes, Google Play, and elsewhere. Tim, again, it was a joy speaking with you again. This book sounds really great. I'm going to check it out, and I, I encourage everyone else to, too. Well, thank you. I sure do appreciate it. Author Juliana Cofield is teaching children in creative ways with her new book, Grandmother's Garden Alphabet, Using Feed Sacks and Feed Sack Reproductions. Juliana's talking with me now here at the Reader House Author Roundtable. Juliana, welcome. Thank you. This book sounds really interesting. You're getting kids interested in learning new things in this really creative way with feed sacks. Can you tell us about it? The book presents early educational content, including the alphabet, numbers, 1 through 10 colors, 31 action words and other vocabulary. As far as the feed sacks, I 
I love collecting feed sacks and quilting, and I think other people will look to this as, as a guide or for early intervention. The images on each page feature a novelty feed sack print, so visual learners can search and point to the correct item. As I mentioned, the page format will encourage the reader to ask additional questions and discuss with their students or children. I think when parents share this book with young readers, it will be a fun way for children to learn sight words and improve their receptive language. I really love how you're incorporating something that you're going to physically be able to do with your hands. You're going to be getting the kids maybe interested in the craft of feed sacks and say, hey, that looks kind of cool. Maybe I'd like to do that. So is that maybe another aim of doing this? Yes, yes. And um, I went to a preschool and read the book in groups of five. And there was a lot of discussion and conversation about feed sacks as well as the alphabet and numbers and colors and so forth. Is this your first time writing a book? Yes. I've been collecting feed sacks for 14 years, hoping to find a print for every letter of the alphabet. It was fun quilting the grandmother's garden quilt. Collecting and quilting are two of my favorite pastimes. For every print I found, I set up a page layout, and my daughter did all the photography. So the publishing process, getting everything sort of arranged for the book and illustrated, printed, photographs, everything, was that an easy process for you then? It was, it was time-consuming, but I have a passion for it, and I just I enjoyed the whole process. So what's it feel like now, actually, holding it in your hands and knowing it's out there on shelves for people to read? I love it. <laughs> Obviously was excited and had a great feeling of satisfaction. I even signed several copies and gave them to my great nieces and nephews. Is there anything you learned along the way in your journey here of writing the book and publishing the book that you could offer to up-and-coming writers? I would just say find a topic you're passionate about and then put it to paper. Well, the book is Grandmother's Garden Alphabet Book Using Feed Sacks and Feed Sack Reproductions by Juliana Cofield. This is published by Christian Faith Publishing and is available at Amazon, Barnes & Noble, and iTunes. Well, Juliana, thanks for talking with us today. It was truly a joy finding out more about you and about this really interesting book. Thank you. We hope you enjoyed this edition of the Reader House Author Roundtable where authors from all walks of life come together to discuss the trials, tribulations, and triumphs of publishing their books. We hope to see you back here every Friday night at 8 p.m. or listen anytime via podcast at Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, TuneIn, and PodServe, to name just a few. The Author Roundtable is sponsored by Reader House Online Bookstore, where independent new authors come first.